0: Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more.
1: So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Simpler time, you know, back in the day. Now I'm not talking Ovaltine, Andy Griffith and pretending to run around being an astronaut. I'm talking three years and 11 months ago. You know, when Kanye and Kim Kardashian were our greatest national problem. When we could actually get together for a barbecue in our backyards without fearing for our lives even though things did get did get a little uncomfortable because my brother-in-law and I got in a heated, and I say that with extreme non-serious air quotes, a heated argument about whether automatic rifles are really necessary. We argued, but then ended up agreeing to disagree and, you know, talked about the best ways to sustain my deck. Cue the dark storm clouds and ominous music. Nowadays, that conversation can't happen. Guns, police, COVID, gathering in groups of four or more, Masks, anybody named George, labor agreements, going to church, the flag, watching football, watching basketball, sports in general, faith. These topics are now off the table. Even the weather is taboo. You know, climate change and all. It makes for a fairly awkward family gathering. There isn't much to talk about if you can't talk about the weighty topics, topics of substance. Proper civil discourse no longer can exist. You you are either far left or you're far right. There are no in-betweens. This is a sad state of affairs and not a little bit scary. So without further ado, let's talk about politics. Welcome to Pine Class Preachers.
0: Tom, it's it's been a while, so I almost feel bad just jumping in immediately and giving you a hard time. Why? But I do have a question for the good listener and potentially one for us as well. Uh, is it taboo or taboo? Cause I'm pretty, oh, sure what I'm pretty sure it's taboo, but you kind of rushed through it with a weird Minnesota accent and said, "It is it taboo?"
1: Oh, actually, no, you said taboo.
2: Ta-
1: I know, and it is taboo.
2: Okay. I think I, though, I feel like you can say taboo. No, it is taboo. You actually, can't more say I think taboo. About it. Yeah, that's that feels like a country. No, I think like that's a, the game
1: that you play with like friends. Like next to Djibouti.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's some
0: Pacific Island country. Well, I mean, I, there I is a game called that. Taboo that you play with your friends.
1: I know, and I think I pronounced that Taboo, and that comes up more in conversation than the word
2: Taboo. I'm just excited you guys play games with your friends. I'm just Remember excited that days. we... Not for the last
0: eight months. I'm just excited yeah. that after such a long hiatus, we're still just as terrible and
2: uninteresting <laughs> as we ever were. Yeah. Look, yeah, yeah, we, we we didn't get better at podcasting in the last eight <laughs> months.
1: <laughs> and... And we know that, like, our last topic was was pretty weighty as well. I mean, we were talking about George Floyd and, and all that kind of stuff. That was our last one, wasn't it? It was. Thanks. So. Right. And now we're jumping yeah. into politics. And we promise you, uh, we can't promise. Like, we have to talk about this. We're five weeks from an election. And so we're going to get into this. And we're hoping it's going to be not a bunch of us spewing leftist Communist propaganda. propaganda. Neo
0: Marxist yeah. propaganda.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was cultural marxist No, but we Hearding are turning be... the frogs gay. <laughs> <laughs> we we are going to be talking about civil discourse and how to do it. And so uh I don't know. I don't know why the three of us are trying to tell you guys how to do it, but uh yeah, let's get let's get in? my
2: Alex Jones impression for the record. I don't want to offend anyone unless you're an Alex Jones fan. Oh, yeah. frankly, r- you deserve r- to be offended.
1: Yeah, remember when Alex Jones was our biggest problem, too? Like, oh, that crack oh, pot over there? Those were
2: the days. Yeah. Those were the days. Um, so we did think, though, well, first of all, actually, let's, before we get into our fun fun zone, uh, let's do some drinks. What do we got tonight, gents? Uh, Josh, you're up first, because Tom just took a, a big old bite of summer sausage. Yeah. <laughs> that was not an innuendo. That was just a fact.
0: <laughs> I mean... We are just firing on no cylinders <laughs> right now. Not a single cylinder is firing correctly. We um poorly poorly riding a bike at this point. Right, right. So, yes. you know, it's a sad state of affairs, guys. Uh, we, we, you know, we all suffer under this thing called COVID. Or if you don't really want to believe it's real, you refer to it as the COVID. <laughs> um, and I know, like, genuinely, a lot of people have you know really struggled um one struggle of mine is that the local food city growler station no longer is filling growlers so i'd love to report on what my friend mara at the food city growler station has been brought you know has been bringing in and the new offerings and what i have to share with y'all tonight but unfortunately i just don't have that option available to me until after this pandemic is over so instead i have gone to the deep sea and i'm just drinking some Kraken, black spiced rum. Are you drinking it straight? Yeah, man, just straight. Yeah, I mean, it's got the spice to it. You don't need any rocks on it. What would I mix it with? Coke? No. See, that's one thing. I do not like uh, any mixed drinks involving Coca-Cola or sodas. Huh,
1: it's really, yeah, I don't know. It's just a thing. Look out Here, for it. Here's an interesting uh, rum note. Yeah. I don't, Gabe, I'm going to go. Um. Oh, okay. I'm also drinking rum and Coke
2: tonight. I thought special. he was going to
0: hand that off to you, but no. With, with half-eaten summer sausage slice in hand, he just takes it and
2: runs with it. Good listener. You cannot see it, but Tom is he so He waved
0: a thick slice He's... of summer sausage in your face. <laughs> it was like he slapped you in the face with summer oh, sausage yes. and said, no, I am next, Gabe.
2: That's a Midwestern you're... smug right there. <laughs> like, uh, right
1: there. <laughs> Dear listener, I want you to imagine Brad Pitt in one of the uh, Oceans 11, in Oceans 11, or even in Moneyball, where he is constantly eating and just looking really good doing it. Uh, That is how I picture myself doing this podcast eating and interacting with people at the same time. I'm drinking rum and Coke, nothing special, but I recently had a guy's weekend and uh, my new favorite rum has been bamboo rum, which I will drink straight. Like that doesn't need to be sullied with Coke or anything like that. Wait, is it
0: bamboo or bamboo rum? I just want to make sure we're on the same page after taboo and (laughs) taboo. It is bamboo. It's
1: B-U-M-B-U. Okay. okay? Thank you. you. And so normally I get the, the regular dark rum, but I decided to spring for the XO, the extra old, right? Uh, not as good. Ten dollars more expensive and not as good. Uh the flavors were competing Rummer. with each other. That's because it's
0: so, extra old.
1: It's like just rotting. Apparently. So uh if you're gonna if you're gonna treat yourself to a rum, get the bamboo, but just get the regular stuff.
0: Okay, did you hand now off we know. the summer sausage now, to Gage? For myself. I stopped
2: talking. May, may I Okay, great. <laughs> so he can eat the summer sausage
0: that is an abnormally um, large like that's myself. a really
2: thick slice
0: most people don't eat that thick of a slice of summer it's
2: a quarter time. inch like come on man okay it's good radio right. Gabe. so um <laughs> i am drinking probably my favorite beer right now uh is the m43 new england ipa uh from old nation brewing uh in williamston williamston excuse me michigan central michigan Uh, M43, it's really good. It's like a a citrusy IPA. It's a cloud, a hazy IPA, if you will. Juicy. And uh, a juicy IPA, you know. No, is it juicy? Sorry, that was more of a question. Is it juicy? Oh, it is juicy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of by the, yeah. I guess I've always assumed whenever you hear New England IPA, that means it's juicy, but maybe I'm falsely equating things. I don't know. But it is uh, quite good. It's also stupidly expensive. It's like a four pack costs like 14 bucks. And I'm like, it's a good beer. I don't know if it's that good.
1: I, I have maybe asked this question on the show before, but when did we get to this point? Because it used to, you know, of course, back in the day, like, you know, a 30 pack of Natty Ice for $7.99 and that was a deal, right? And then as our palates yeah. became more refined and whatnot, we'd pick up a Sixer for $8, $9. And then the Sixer became 10 and $11 as we hit into this craft beer thing. And now we're picking up four packs for $14.99, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're almost into the like space of how much it cost me to buy a beer at a stadium.
0: Okay, yeah. Tom, two yeah. things. One, welcome to the life of the West Coast beer scene for as long as I can remember. Rogue and Stone were never cheap nor affordable, but delicious. Yeah. Two, why do you have to sound like such an old man curmudgeon, and we're not even five minutes into this episode?
1: Do you like paying $14.99 for a four-pack?
2: I don't pay fourteen, yeah. $14. ninety nine. I mean, listen. Back. There's a reason people are leaving the West Coast. Like, <laughs> I, you know. I mean, it
0: literally like, is on fire. It is literally on know, fire.
2: There's that too. <laughs> um, but, but it is, you know. To, I mean, part of it. Like, have you seen the meme? And I think it's it. It hurts how accurate it is, but it's like, listen, IPAs are just pumpkin spice for guys in their mid thirties. <laughs>
1: um,
0: Oh,
2: wow. I was, that was the other tact I was going to tell you.
1: My buddies and I have been talking. We're like, we're kind of done with the IPA scene. Like,
2: there's a, uh, I mean, I'm not, but you're old. So you're yeah, like neither am I,
1: no. neither am I. And
0: what? tell me what's the next, oh, I will say Sours. They came on scene for a while. I was all about the Sour game.
1: Yeah, I but you can like only Sours, do man. those like one at a time. But I think it's, I read this article about how if you're not a great brewery, you can mask a really bad beer by just throwing more hops at it. And so we get yeah. all these IPAs and it's just yeah. because we're not really good at making beer, we're just going to make a bunch of IPAs. And yeah. so so is
0: now yeah, the time that true. we break it to the listeners that the three of us are starting a brewery. Big announcement, what's, what's, big what's, announcement everyone. Meow meow, meow, uh, meow, meow, meow.
1: Meow, meow meow. Just kidding. We're not boy would that be fantastic what would we call it i mean
0: my class preachers brewery or a <laughs> taboo brewery uh, taboo. <laughs> no not
1: taboo Gabe. taboo tuB taboo sorry thank you and, and yep. our label would be like just like a black a black bar with just something peeking out of the corner or something like that yeah maybe a summer sausage slice who knows
2: mm. delicious <laughs> delicious <laughs> all right All right, gents. This is what we're going to do for our funsy part is uh, before we get to the real meat of the subject, this summer sausage of the subject, if you will. Clever. Uh, Very clever. Thank you. Uh, Biggest Zoom fails you've experienced the last eight months. Personal uh, or witness to? Personal Zoom fail
0: or witness of Zoom fail?
2: Uh, Speaker's choice. You can, uh, you know cut someone else down or cut yourself down, but biggest Zoom fail you've experienced the last eight months. Uh, We'll go oldest to youngest. Old Man River, AKA Tom O'Neill, you're up first. I don't even know how to use Zoom. hey
1: okay, Boomer. (laughs) Seriously, I was on a call today with an older couple, and not only did they not know how to use Zoom, but they were narrating it the entire time. And so- That's my favorite. I know, right? Uh I think I think my funny the funniest zoom one was I was on a call with my boss who I know very well we're friends uh my wife is actually uh, nannied for for their children And so I'm very familiar with their with, with their family and we're talking he he is wearing a dress shirt and whatnot and uh his kids come in the door's behind him and he gets up to like usher them back out the door cuz daddy's busy right he's totally wearing sweatpants. Like I know he's wearing sweatpants. I know this, we have joked about it before, but just to have it confirmed
2: was just all that I needed to make that day. Great. Yes. The, uh, what is it? It's like the body mullet, right? The Mm -hmm. the business on top party on the bottom. Yeah. Did you guys
0: see that? Uh, this is a total aside and not my contribution, but recently, the climate scientist that they had on, I think it was like Wolf Blitzer or something, where she pulled like the most epic version of that. So like she's getting interviewed on um, on CNN, like live television. And you look at the screenshot from CNN's perspective, like super professional. She's in her home office, blah, blah, blah. Her husband uh, takes a picture from like the back corner of the room. She's in like bike shorts keen sandals a bright yellow blazer there's like toys strewn everywhere and like the internet just exploded because she just ended up posting it was like uh okay everyone real talk this is what happened while i was live on cnn you know and it's like one of those i think one of those cultural phenomenon that now na- the longer we get into the zoom situation we're kind of like well, maybe i'm just gonna wear sweat, a sweatsuit and not even bother trying to dress up the yeah, top
2: right like who cares about what's on top anymore right right <laughs>
1: Do you remember that video that went viral, like in January, of that that reporter whose kid was like, and the nanny was like, British show, yeah, yeah, "Uh "Yeah." and the nanny was like crawling in to get the kid, even though she was still on camera, and that was so embarrassing. And now it's just like I was on a call the other day with our CEO of our Fortune 500 company. I was like, sorry, my kids are being loud, and I just walked off, you know, and shut up. And It, it is quite refreshing to
0: know that we as a as a society have like been okay with that. You know what I mean? Like if you're in a training or you're on a call and you're like, sorry, my kid's being loud. Oh, my dogs are barking. Let me go let him out. For the most part, people have been like, at least in my experience, extremely like, oh yeah, we've all been there. You know, totally lenient, super understanding where typically that would be something
1: so taboo that you probably (laughs) get fired. Okay, so this is the other thing I've noticed too. In my my company, we all... there's some people who wear suits, but we all wear business casual mostly. And you know, we, yeah, we do our best to dress, Gross. dress nicely for, for the day, LLB. right? But now we're wearing our, our hoodies. We're wearing our, you know, if I even got some semblance of a collar, I'm fine. Or I'm wearing a t-shirt, nobody cares. And we're in these meetings and nobody cares. I said, so when we go back to work, can we all admit that for the last eight months we've been getting work done and we didn't need a suit on to do good work? When we go back, can we wear jeans and t-shirt or are we going to go back to pretending like this is how we really dress all the time or can yep. we come in? What makes us comfortable? Well,
0: what would yep. they say?
1: I, I don't know, but like it, it is going to be very interesting to me how society and culture changes in that way.
2: I'm wearing pajama shorts right. and I'm moving us along. Next oh, oldest is me. Fine. Yeah, I don't care, Josh. Okay. Next oldest is me, I think, fine. right? I don't know. I, think I turned I'm 35 in November.
1: One of you is like this
2: November, like, like in a couple 17. months. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're older than, yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah, I was, the baby. Okay. you are the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So mine nice. is, uh, during a zoom meeting, this is early on in COVID actually, uh, we were having a staff meeting and, uh, one of my coworkers, her husband just finished working out and went to take a shower and walked in front of the camera nude. No and, way. Uh, yeah, no but, way. Yeah. Towel around yeah. the waist at least. No, totally nude, but it was just, but, uh, so it was, it was the, the backside. So wow. yeah, yeah. Got one of those pretty epic. Well, since you
0: two decided to abscond from admitting any zoom failures of your own, I will own up to a zoom failure that personally I was involved in. So the chat is either your greatest friend or your worst enemy, because if you don't pay attention to whether there's those little red words next to the name saying private or everyone, you can find yourself in a world of hurt. So I was on a Zoom call and there was a particular individual in this meeting who was literally just going off acting just like a complete donkey and... Uh, As part of the leadership of this particular entity, uh, I thought I was floating it privately to the leader of this organization that I'm going to make a motion that this individual is removed from their position of leadership because it's reached epic levels and enough is enough. Little did I know I set that to the entire group. So then I tried to backtrack. You know, by making a joke, like, well, or I was, or this and that, or, uh, you know, I didn't mean to say that. I said that, you know, I was just talking to this person and I said that. And it didn't work. And next thing you know, I had to do damage control for, like, three or four phone calls of, like, you know, it was just that call. He was just acting out of line. I just, you know, I shouldn't have overreacted, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, yeah, I have
2: now learned to be very, very Wait. careful. Josh, are you telling me you put your foot in your mouth. You, Josh Woodrow. Listen,
0: this may surprise you. Yeah. With my incredible flexibility, I yeah. put both feet in my mouth that day.
2: <laughs> I'll say, I'll say. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I'll <boy>. say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well friends, that was our fun time. Now we're gonna get serious. But before we do that, we're gonna go to a break. So sit tight, get ready for some PGP Solves the World's Problems. Let's roll. right friends we are back from break thanks for sticking with us uh so for this episode we were uh you know we're leery of just being three white bros talking about our thoughts on politics and uh can i not say that is that sorry did i no i don't know but
0: we we just dropped (laughs) for sticking with us three white bros like i feel like we are in the northern woods of wisconsin on a camping trip ice fishing right now that's what i feel like the level of professionalism okay, in our podcast has just completely gone downhill.
2: I can't. There's no way it could have gotten lower than it's been. I mean, it's it did. It just got more. lower than it was 10 minutes okay. ago. Okay. Okay. Well, at any rate. Uh, so what we're going to do is each of us is going to get 10 minutes to talk about um, sort of the, the, the zeitgeist of politics in America right now. And what we find perhaps most pressing, and uh, actually relate it to a quote that's maybe speaking to us at the time. And so Tom's going to go first. Uh, I will go second. Josh will go third. Gentlemen, I'm going to hold us to a strict ten minutes apiece because I know how you girls like to gab. All right. So uh, here we go. Uh, Tom, the floor is about to be yours. As soon as I get my timer ready. All right. Here we go. Three, two. The floor is yours. So
1: do I get to talk for the whole 10 minutes or are we going to engage in conversation for 10 minutes about the topic that I want to talk about?
2: The love of God, Tom, we covered this <laughs> off air. Uh, we are going to engage in conversation about the topic and you want to talk about. Tasking. No one wants to listen to you talk for 10 minutes.
1: I know, I know they do. Uh, <laughs> and that's kind of what we're talking about. So my, one of the things that I found and I alluded to this in my intro is what I have found... Uh, incredibly discouraging over the last, uh, and it has just grown over the last three years. And I, I, you all know that I lean left, but I think it has a lot to do with our current administration and and where politics is at the moment and how it invades almost every corner of our of our culture. But uh, it is almost impossible right now to have a conversation with another individual about politics and. And that's sad to me because this politics is important. You know, when you, when you hear that adage of like things you should never talk about at work or at, you know, at Thanksgiving with family or things is, you know, sex, religion, and politics. Well, politics is really important. Um, So is religion. We can probably avoid sex. But like, you know, these
2: are things that we should be talking about. Although sex about. is important too. Ahead, well, it on. is. But like, maybe not at the well, thing. You're not going to talk about it did. with your mom. Yeah. Okay. Go <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like.
1: You know, we need to engage in, in civil discourse. We need to talk about politics because that's how things change. That's how we move we move things forward. If nobody ever talks about it, then nothing ever gets done. Or at worst, we let one ruling party just steamroll over everything, right? I mean, we would even say that it's because of civil discourse, it's because of the way we talked about politics that the American Revolution started and all this kind of stuff, right? But. There are people that I just, I can't have a conversation with anymore. And that that really distresses me. I have good friends. And I was like, man, I can't talk to them right now because I know that they hold these views, which I believe are very racist, which I believe are very, I don't know.
2: Morally moral, abhorrent.
1: Moral, Yes, morally <laughs> abhorrent. Whether they can see it or not. And I don't like feeling like that. And I feel very called to say, I need to have a conversation. I I want to try to change their mind, but at the same time, I also don't want to get in a a screaming match or I'll see stuff that they post on Facebook. And I'm, and I was like, I can't believe that they think that this is no longer in in my intro. This is no longer a difference on States rights or, whether the government should be paying for this or that or or even the second amendment stuff this is talking about human lives this is talking about black lives matter things like that and you know i came across a quote that that kind of resonated with me on this and it was uh it's from thomas jefferson and says i have never considered a difference of opinion in politics in religion in philosophy as cause for withdrawing from a friend and that's interesting to me because that's what i feel like i'm doing in some cases that, that I'm backing away from people because I was like, I know I can't have a civil conversation with this person right now. Yeah. You know, if I bring up anything, we're going to get into it and this is not the place for that. But when yeah. is the place for that? It's not like, hey, let's meet for beers and let's get into an argument about politics.
2: You know? Right. That's, right.
1: That doesn't happen. So, like so politi- that's where-
0: Like, are you talking like politics proper or politically charged agendas?
1: I think right now there's... There's a big gray area there. I think everything is, I mean, I, I talked about it. There's almost no distinction. You can't talk about the weather anymore because like, oh, yeah, climate change, you know, uh, masks. I mean, if I'm wearing, if I wear a mask, like good Lord, I wear a mask outside and people are looking at me, you know, I've got people looking at me telling I'm looking at the people who are not wearing a mask. I'm like, you're an idiot, put on a mask. Dude, you know? there was,
0: lit- so just uh, the, I was attending a church council meeting at our mother church, uh, not this month but back in August. And like this church is full of m- mostly old people, right? So I'm trying to be and mm-hmm. and our ministry is located in our county's like hot spot. So I'm very yep. cognizant of that I could be a potential carrier and transmitter of COVID-19. Yep. So I show up and I'm the only one wearing a mask, right? Yep. And this dude walks in. He goes, Pastor Josh, what's up with that mask? And I was like, well, you know, I'm you a, know, I was like, I'm in a hot spot for the county and don't want to, you know, <laughs> potentially expose anyone here. And like, no joke. So mind you, one, I didn't I didn't I was literally just sitting there reading through the minutes from last month's meeting, wearing a mask.
2: Dude First then all, goes props to you for reading the minutes, bro. Oh, well, I mean, I you know, like, those. it was
0: more of not reading them, pretending like I'm reading them, so I don't have to talk to anyone else at the church council meeting. There you go. There you hey, go. Hey, that's shout. a little Good insight shout. into your pastor's mind, okay? Eep. Eep. Uh, huh, that was too much. I'm sorry. For all those pastors, I just threw under the bus. I am so sorry. They're like, I just no! <laughs> ah, Josh told our secret! Um, no, but then he, like, continues to say, like, I've never worn a mask from the from the first time this happened. Matter of fact, I I just was flying, and it was airline policy that I wear a mask unless I'm drinking. So you know what I did? I took out a water bottle, set it right there in front of the flight attendant on my uh, tray table, and said, I'm drinking. I don't have to wear a mask. And, like, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, one, I think we're not on the same page here, bro, when it comes to this mask situation. But then, two, I was genuinely surprised at the sort of explicit defiance or the explicitly yeah. defiant tone that yep. made it into an yep. issue outside of hey maybe we should wear masks like keep this but, you know
1: thing under control you know i was i was i was really shocked that's the thing you know i saw this meme that that was really funny to me but it's like people wearing a mask or not it, it isn't about isn't about you know whatever it's simply an intelligence test <laughs> And I don't like feeling that about other people. When I see someone or when I hear this about this guy, I just assume him to be of lower intelligence. And even worse, someone who has zero disregard for other people.
2: Regard. Regard. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's yeah. like, that speaks to like your point, Tom, Is It's like, it gets tricky because it's like, it's not just like, Oh, I view what the best policy is towards our shared end. It's we don't even have the same ends anymore, right? right. Like our yeah, like that's where the moral like frustration comes in, right? And, and and then and and then it
1: COVID is one thing, right? Where we're talking about about life and death situations for people, right? But then we also, but then we we get to even maybe more weightier topics about 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 race and and, and those types of things, and I have people who who are like I am going to vote Trump no matter what, and I was like I would just like you to admit that this guy is not a good person. He says really horrific things about people, and he retweets things that should not be retweeted and you are supporting this person. You can't even tell me that you support the policies. You're just straight up supporting the person. And now we have a problem because I think less of you as a person, yeah. as a human being, and I don't wanna feel that.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, that's so, like, so does it raise the question then? Is that, is the onus on you then, Tom? Or is the onus on them? Like, and, I, and I'm asking this genuinely, right? Like, so if you're feeling that way, is the onus on you to, to sort of get over it. I mean, and I'm not saying that's what I'm, I think you should do, but like to get over it, or is it that they need to change their behavior in a, in a more suitable or seemingly like in touch with reality kind of way for then for you to feel like you don't need to just,
1: you know, okay. So, so that's a great question because part of me just wants to say, Tom, like I divested myself of Facebook and Twitter about a year ago. And I feel a lot mentally healthier because of that right it's like every time i got on facebook i was like oh this person's a horrible human being now i think of less less of this person or now i'm angry for the rest of the day because this person said this thing right so i got rid of that right but i can take the the stance of okay i'm just gonna i'm just gonna chill i'm gonna relax i'm not gonna let this bother me i'm not gonna tune into politics i'm not gonna watch the debate after we get off this this Mm -hmm. podcast tonight i'm not gonna do those types of things but then I think about, you know, Josh, you and I have had a hundred conversations about race, right? At least. Right. And I could say, you know what, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to engage anymore. And that's not the right thing because like, oh, I, I'm tired of arguing about race or or, or having complex emotions and feelings about, about this um, when we have people who have been dealing with this for generations and feel this every single day. I can't disengage from the process, right? I feel feel like I need to continually engage in the process, whether it's reading, watching, having, and then getting into conversations, calling people on it, and then getting into these slogs of an argument over things. And now what, you know?
0: He was serious. He just played like an under volumed alarm sound from an iPhone. I did that's, a, that's harsh. i did you literally cut him off with the and what and what and now what
2: and now it's actually a perfect time to, to cut them off
0: okay well then well, let's do and... this listener if you would like to not listener good listener faithful listener we keep talking like... about like we have
1: one listeners okay
0: i'm sorry myriad of faithful listeners if dozens you would... dozens plethora dozens plus to... a baker's dozen of listeners if you would like all to... 13 of you 13, you know, that's great when you go to a donut shop and you order a dozen and they give you the baker's dozen, you know, like a little add-on, you just get a little extra little donut. It's a nice thing.
2: They're the best, man. D-
0: dying, dying breed though. You don't you don't get that too often these days. Well,
2: it's because donuts are so freaking cheap. Like, how do they make a profit? Like it's like, here, we'll pay you to take this apple fritter. I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> that's
0: yeah. An excellent point. Um, and neither yeah. here nor there. What is here and here nor there. Well, what's doubly here? Is are, whether are, or not we are whether killing or not, it if, with,
1: with, with our vocabulary tonight. Listen, we if you want taboo... to respond
0: to Tom's little dissertation of his 10-minute time period before Gabe cut him off, or you have questions, then feel free to hit us up with a text 612-208-6258. Gabe just signed it for us. If you are joining us no
2: one joins us visually (laughs) if you're paying attention via closed captioning (laughs) yes then gabe
0: actually did us uh, a a service not a disservice by making this more accessible so good for gabe Uh, but seriously 612-208-6258 if you want to respond or react to tom and uh, we will definitely get back with you so with that amazing introduction uh, we're now going to move into episode number two section number two the second chapter, the segue to none other than the Reverend Doctor, philosopher extraordinaire, Gabriel
2: Casper. And you can bet I'm timing this. All right, do you got your timer set? I do, go. Okay, so for me, uh, of course, like all things in my life, I am guided by the inspired words of the New York Times columnist, David Brooks, Uh, I find him to be consistently thoughtful, nuanced, uh, just a brilliant individual. I'm grateful the Lutheran church believes in an open canon when it comes to scripture, where I think some of his articles might be added. At any rate... In his most recent article that came out this week. uh, 200 years from
1: now, 200 years from now, people are going to open up their Bibles and they have the Old Testament and
2: New Testament and then a couple op-eds by David Brooks. (laughs) By David Brooks. Anyway, but his latest opinion column came out September 24th, 2020, titled How Faith Shapes My Politics, subtitle Not As Much As You'd Think, which is interesting. And his whole article, his point is this, is he's like, when it comes to like specific policies, it actually is kind of hard for faith to speak into it, right? So it's like, uh, you know, let's say people talk about, um, I don't know, tax rates. Like it's not like the Bible is like, this is the appropriate tax rate, right? Like it's like when you come to specific policies, it's a little bit hard. But when it comes to idealized ends, that's where faith, I think, plays an important role. Uh, and that I think seems to be his point. And a lot of it for him, What he's tapping into right now is the conversation around the most recent uh, Supreme Court nominee in light of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, death that, you know, Donald Trump has, of course, already uh, nominated Amy Coney Barrett to be the the new Supreme Court justice. And uh, people are concerned about it because she's part of this covenant community called People of Praise. And there's all this stuff floating around it. Honestly, People of Praise doesn't seem that bad to me for what it's worth. And she actually seems all right to me. For anyone who cares but uh that's frankly neither here nor there that's just my own little op-ed uh but at any rate brooks then kind of recounts of
1: your 10 minutes to talk about this please. i know i know <laughs> please I know. go on but,
2: but but brooks then well if i wasn't being interrupted i could maybe get somewhere uh but uh, an extra minute uh, oh lord uh but then brooks goes into it and he shares actually that like you know he grew up in uh some form of faith and then fell away and was uh, I guess an atheist or something or an agnostic for, for quite a while. And then recently, I think it was actually, as he wrote his most recent book, the second mountain and was reading a lot of Augustine and was like, Oh, Augustine's maybe the smartest human being that ever lived. Uh, And, and ended up kind of rediscovering faith and has has actually uh, become a Christian. And he said, but he's like, my politics didn't actually change that much. And he said, I think people get like all, you know, sort of worked up about, Uh, faith in politics, but he says, that's actually not what I'm concerned about. And then he says this, this is the quote I want to focus in on. And this to me is the deal, dude. This is it. He says this, in a society that is growing radically more secular every day, I'd say we have more to fear from political dogmatism than religious dogmatism. We have more to fear from those who let their politics determine their faith practices and who turn their religious communities into political armies. We have more to fear from people who look to politics as a substitute for faith. And man, if that doesn't describe like, I don't know, 90% of my pastoral work right now, I don't know what does. Like Mm -hmm. I literally spent two hours today uh, helping someone like, like figure out like she's got family members that are like to be Christian is to be a Republican. Like they just cannot separate the two of them. Yeah. And, and she's like, I don't know what to do, Pastor Gay, because like, I really care about like these other issues, like how we treat immigrants and refugees, how we treat people of color, uh, health care for, for people who need it, uh, a living wage for people. Like, I mean, things that Christians you would think should care about. But there's no, we only care about so, pro-life, pro-choice issues. And that's the thing. And and so she's like, I don't know how to respond to this. And, and so like, I just spent a lot of time doing it because what's happened is like in theologically conservative circles, oftentimes they've been hijacked by politically conservative principles. And conversely, in theologically liberal circles, they have absolutely just as much been hijacked by politically liberal circles. And it's this crazy thing. And I mean, if I've had, I've had conversations where people come in, and they'll say, I I, mean, I didn't do I, I baptized. And he found out that that as Christians, we are pro-life. I mean, no doubt about that. All three of us are pro-life. And he found that out and he said, Oh, I can't be a Christian anymore. I was like, dude, I baptized you like a month ago. And he's like, oh, I didn't realize Christians were pro-life. I was like, okay, well, let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. He's like, no, not if that's the stance. I can't, I won't. This is more important. I'm like, more important than your salvation, like more important than the God of the universe. Like what are you kidding me. And, and never so mind me, that you can be pro-choice and
1: Christian at the same time. Like, well, we could debate that, but, um, uh, yeah, we can, because I, can <laughs> I get, I, I want 30 <laughs> seconds.
0: All right.
1: Good listener. You me a minute Wait, and a half,
2: Tom. Hey. You owe me a minute and a half. Yes.
0: Oh, Gabe, a minute and a half. And the look of exasperation on Tom's face and the deep swig of beer that Gabe just took was just one
1: for the ages. Just the so physical comedy that we have in this episode one is- One for the ages. You see it as you rightly put, the three of us are pro-life. I am pro-life. I will freely admit that. But to believe that pro-life issues only start and stop with abortion is absolutely asinine to me. If you are, if you are a Republican and you're like pro-life, great. But then let's not forget about that. Like there are tons of policies that you have voted for that Republicans have voted for that absolutely just crap on anybody. Once they're born, like let's take away food stamps, let's take away any ability to make a living wage. And now they have healthcare issues. They have, you know, they yeah. can't, get food. let's talk about going to war with every nation in the world. Yeah. But
2: to, like, we agree on that, people. Tom, like, but to me, that, that's not the issue. I, I don't have issue with what you're saying there, but you can't be pro killing a baby. And follow Jesus, like you can't. It's incompatible. Hey,
0: can you, so Gabe actually posted this, um, so you, this, this—I don't even know what to call it—and not an argument, but it was a, a logical assertion, a train of thought from Sky Jatani, and uh, I would actually. Hi. Yeah, I, you can't say his name without this like amazingly sort of deep it's reference, so right? You kind of have to mumble yeah. it so you don't mispronounce it, but also showing respect for Skye. Uh, but I actually would say it would be helpful for for our listeners perhaps if you would post that to the Pine Class Preachers Facebook page to check it out.
2: You know, I'll forget to do it, but all right, I'll commit to it now.
0: Okay, excellent. It's on record. It's in recording. It is audio, audiology, audiologically verified. Oh
2: my gosh. You now, know, Tom, like, my, my point is this, like, you're right about all that stuff. And I think there's like, and, and it's, it comes down to actually a why do you want to know, right? This is classic uh, Colby and movie. Totally. Right? To say, yep. like, yep. if someone were to say, like, can you be a Christian and be pro-choice? I would ask, why do you want to know? So in the one sense, if it's because I insist that killing babies is a great thing, then it's like, no, but if it's, man, I'm really wrestling with this and I may vote for a party whose platform is pro-choice, but because they care about all these other things, I'm going to overlook that. Well, then that's a different conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, so it kind of depends where someone's coming from would be my point. Yeah. No, um yeah.
1: all right. yes i would agree if you love killing babies you probably can't be christian so you can't do it like
2: yep. at any rate um and i mean i'm not like the arbiter of that god's grace covers all sorts of things but it, like that's pretty pretty steep moral line to cross IMO. Right. um all right so <clears throat> moving on but so the struggle that brooks highlights here is this is that you look at like you know very conservative churches that clearly mobilize their people to vote for conservative candidates. Uh, and you look at very liberal churches that c- very clearly mobilize their people to vote for liberal candidates. And then you look at people who are neither, who aren't religious at all, but politics has become their religion. And that happens on both the right and the left, by the way. I think a lot of people think that's just a left thing, but there's plenty of people who are not religious at all in the formal sense that their religion is, you know, the GOP. Um, and at any rate, and that is what Brooks is highlighting is actually the real danger. It's not people who are honest about their beliefs and then seek to, to share that within the public square. It's those who pretend like their beliefs are the ultimate and everyone needs to get on board or screw them. That's where the real danger lies. And, And that's what we're seeing, right? Is like politics becoming religion. It just is. Uh, even for religious people politics is becoming their religion and and that's what's terrifying me. i mean that's where i think like you know someone asked me the other day they're like what's what's the biggest idol in american christianity and like without a doubt it's politics and
1: we talked about this in in our show prep which makes it sound way more fancy than (laughs) it
2: is (laughs) oh prep Prep <laughs> yeah, show prep. That was adorable.
1: I know, right? But I thought, oh, there's our timer. Here. Now um, my minute and a half. Thank you. Yep. Oh, yep,
0: plus ninety seconds. But we we talked about stoppage this. time. Stoppage time. Yes. Oh, oh classic, classic, Great. Gabe.
1: We talked about this, and I said I spend way more time reading political articles, reading political websites. Uh, thinking about having discussions about than I do going to church having religious conversations, faith conversations, or reading faith material. I absolutely do that right now, whether it's a sign of the times or or whatnot. Politics does. and I made the comment earlier. I said that's because politics right now shapes shapes culture and shapes society more than religion does. And that's probably a very sad commentary. Uh, where religion is right now i don't know your well, thoughts Gabe. speak uh,
0: yeah
2: oh go ahead josh
0: no i was going to transition to to myself so you go
2: well then don't okay so i mean no and i think that's true it is interesting actually as a pastor who historically was seen as someone who had actually authority and both josh and i i think would agree like that's mostly gone um, um like yep any, any sort of authority in the public sphere that Josh or I may have is something we've earned, not something that's been inherited by virtue of being clergy.
1: And I, and I will say, I, I just had my pastor on my back deck. We were talking about this because we were having a conversation around our church's response to George Floyd. So again, I live in Minneapolis where George Floyd was murdered by police. And so you can take offense at the, my wording of that, but screw you. Um, Our church did not do a great job at addressing George Floyd or racism in the weeks following that episode. And we were talking about that. And it basically got down to our church doesn't want to offend half our population and lose half of our membership, because if they did take a hard stance on it, what I believe the Christian stance would be, they would lose half the population and nobody yep. wants to do that. And then I look at you as pastors and say, if you guys don't have the balls to talk about it from the pulpit, well then yeah, you've lost your authority yep. in terms of how we view culture and society.
2: Yep. So that's funny. I literally I was meeting with someone the other day who like this Sunday I'm actually preaching on biblical values and social justice. So I'm going to like talk about this stuff. And um at any rate like that's the title of the sermon. And but I was sharing that with this individual I was talking about and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be talking about it. She's like, Oh, it's going to be so hard. Cause you got to try and please everyone. And I was like, no, I don't. I was like, I, I have zero interest in trying to please everyone. Like I have a hundred percent interest in me. Well, we've had this conversation though, Gabe of like,
1: are you going to like, we've talked about like, do we really want to address homosexuality on this podcast? And like, Ugh, like, Ugh, like, Ugh, like, you know, we, do we really want to do that? Because it's gonna, it's going to alienate one group or the other. Yeah. You know, are you going to, are you going to go after one policy after one topic? No. no.
2: And and that is the struggle, Tom. Cause actually that's, I mean, that's a great point. Cause it's like, that is the difference of the medium, right? So a medium of a podcast, I'm much more freewheeling on here because this is me talking to two of my best friends. So I'm just going to say whatever I want. Right. It's way different when I'm in the pulpit, I have to preach the word of God. So like, I can't like, I don't have the same Liberty I do when I'm just like a Christian dude talking with my friends like there is a difference so I can't advocate for specific policies I can't like
1: but you you can on certain things like you just talked about look killing babies that's bad right but you're gonna lose you if you take a really hard stance on that you are gonna
2: lose people Right. right but there's a difference between that and I can talk about systemic racism really bad Yep. but what I can't do is say and this is the policy that will solve it I can't do that. Right,
1: right. And and because you can't, because you're not a you're not a politician, you're not a lawmaker, you're not a lawyer, any of those and things. And a sermon
2: that, is not a place for that.
1: Sure. But like what I was talking about with my pastors, like they didn't even address it. They didn't yeah, even and address that's a, problem. Racism. That's a and, problem. And that's a problem because they were afraid if they addressed it, what what scripture would lead them to say is like, wow, the treatment of these human beings of black people in America is not how is not how Christ would want us to do this. Right. Right. If they said those words, half a third to a half of our congregation, would get all up in arms because we are very white suburban church. Right. And that's sad, but that's what would happen. And so they're not willing to take that step. And I'm I'm not just throwing my church under the bus. I'm talking about 99% of the churches, Josh being a 1%. Right. Right.
2: Well, listen, buddy. I mean, I addressed it too and dealt with the deluge of emails i got afterwards right like right, i mean right so like yeah but but it, it does have to be intelligent because otherwise you fall into this trap of of turning your church into like a partisan thing like well, and, and it's very hard not to do that
1: well and this is something that josh said in one of our current conversations and maybe this will transition into letting Josh talk for a minute. Um yeah do I get my like 10 minutes still or is it you been don't, reduced to like you don't. 10 seconds. But you Josh, four. you said something really smart when we were talking about this shocking. Is what? I know surprising. We don't maybe want our pastors talking about very specific policy issues because they're not equipped. I don't know Gabe how how versed you are in tax law or this or this whatever policy you want you want to talk about how much studying did you do of that what degrees do you hold in None. you know and so on one side on one side no we you shouldn't be the the political authority from the pulpit but on the other hand i've always said this i would like my political views my worldview, to be shaped in some part by the church i would not like i don't want my church and i don't want my pastor to completely ignore to just talk about jesus rainbows and sunshine every week well because that's you know? the
2: thing i mean and i think we've talked about it. one of the things that's most frustrating to me is when pastors are like i don't want to get political in the pulpit that's BS. Like Jesus was political. Jesus is political. The fundamental Mm -hmm. creed of the church is that Jesus is Lord, which is a political statement, right? Yep. And whether
0: whether or not, and whether or not they are able to name it or recognize it, all of our socialization is indeed political in the sense of it, it, it actually comes as a result of, Our socialization as human beings, as Americans, as how we grew up economically, where we grew up, what part of the country, what narratives were taught to us by our parents or our neighborhoods or even our churches. And so let's just let's just get rid of and and just cast aside the myth that we are somehow purely objective from the pulpit when it comes to political ideology, because we've all absorbed. Right. Right. We've all absorbed
2: some sort of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But my point, right? Exactly. So, like, I think we're on the same page there. My point, though, Tom, is like, it's still though, when it comes to policy, cannot like, or, or when it comes to policy, it can't be partisan. It can't, and so that's where like it's going to end up being frustrating for people. Like, I know for a fact, yep. when I preach this Sunday, I know for a fact. I will get emails from both sides of that. My, my church is 50, 50, right? So like we're theologically conservative domination in a very liberal city, which means my church is 50, 50. Yep. And so what that means is people are going to come at me and say, Hey, systemic racism, isn't a thing. Just chill out. It's just one individual copy to this dumb thing. Okay. And I'm about people say, "Why didn't you go harder? This is a bigger deal. You didn't speak to it hard enough. Like it's yep. going to happen, and that's fine. I don't care. Like I exist for the kingdom of God. I don't exist for anything else. Everyone else can just freaking deal with it, okay? But I like I cannot fall into the partisan trap just because people want me to. Yep. I won't do it.
1: Yep.
0: Okay. This is where I'm going to. I don't care about either view and your timers and your little beef about phone timers. It's my time. Whether or not it's my time, your time, shine time is, is debatable, minutes. whether or not I'm going to shine is debatable, but at least it's my time. Okay.
2: I'm going to start your timer.
0: Three, go for it. Two, Wait, are you both timing me? Because if you guys yes. gang me with the time ring, that's unfair. Go. Okay. Go. So I think the, the perfect segue from kind of the, I mean, not the tail end, but really just kind of the, uh, perpetuation of that conversation is a quote that I found. And I was preparing for a sermon a couple weeks ago, on fa- I mean, we're doing this series called Faith, and I was just following the pole system, and we're in the, the year of Matthew, and I came nerd. across- What? Seriously.
2: I called you a nerd.
0: Go on. Oh, well, I mean- I was faithful. following
2: the pole system as I put on my Anglican collar and my cassock. Lectionary uh,
0: A. Orthodox, I mean, biblical, you know- I used just, the one year. Lectionary. Three-year three year lectionary. Thank you very much.
1: Okay. Oh, liberal. Okay.
0: That's right. I know. I'm I'm straying from the path, the true path of light. There's um, seven people who are listening to this that know what
1: we're talking about. That's Keep right.
0: But for the seven of you, be affirmed. For the rest of you, I'll enlighten you. Uh, no, so I happen to come across, uh, I mean, a lot of readings in Matthew's gospel, right? And one of them was from Matthew uh, chapter 18, where we tend to sort of corner this passage to church discipline. If your brother or sister offends you, go to them directly. If they don't want to repent or listen, take another brother or sister with you so that that way there's witnesses corroborating the conversation. And if they still don't want to listen, then you take the church, excommunication, blah, 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 blah. Now, I I came into this sermon prep thinking that I was just simply going to talk about the necessity of not just putting people on blast on social media or publicly without first approaching them privately as particularly as members of the body of Christ. Right. And as I was digging into some commentaries and I think this goes to what we were previously talking about, right. Is like we as pastors, when it comes to our, the, the public preaching of the word, we consult commentaries on a regular basis because we recognize that there are people who are smarter than us, Augustine, many others, right. Who can help us and who, who can help inform how we're able to present it's the second
1: time we've met we've mentioned Augustine. Like, well, only because i was given it's was the given. only other person that's smart okay
0: chris is dumb. uh gabe casper there we go there or, origin tom's Tertorian. dad tom pastor o'neill i don't even know your dad's first name but i'm his brother brian brian o'neill who loves me we have an incredibly tom's- close relationship Tom's oh, he, mom, Janet. Janet. Literally everyone in Tom's family but Tom. Everyone. Um, yes, yes. Jen, the boys. <laughs> yeah. Okay, who else yep. can we name here? Anyway, you, no, you You guys are making me waste my time. You my, wasted your time, and Dennis, now you're making me way. waste mine. Okay, back to the topic at hand. Right, so we do this preparation to, to get diverse opinions on a particular passage that we're preaching on. It's just good hermeneutics. It's good preaching. And I happen to uh, be reading through this commentary— from Stanley Hauerwas, I'm a big fan of his. And he's got an interesting commentary. And, like, there's very rarely a time where I'm looking at commentaries that I'm just, like, stopped in my tracks. Okay, usually it's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Or, oh, this is a better way to put it, right? But Wass in this particular passage, drops this gem. So here's my quote. He says, If we fail to challenge one another in our sins we in fact abandon one another to our sin. We show how little we love our brother or sister by refusal to engage in the hard work of reconciliation. And the reason I want to share that quote is because I think this is where we're at politically, spiritually, uh, culturally, is that we have literally allowed all of these divides where we are casting stones, pointing out logs, ignoring specks and splinters in our own eyes to say we are literally totally content with abandoning one another within the body of Christ to these sins that we claim that they have, whether it be systemic fill-in-the-blank or personal fill-in-the-blank, right? And the reason that it kind of just stopped me in my tracks is because I I tend to think of confronting the sin in a brother or sister, not just from a pastoral perspective, but from an an interpersonal perspective of being like, okay, one, either that's too judgy, judgy, only Jesus can judge or two, like, I'm, I just have to call them out because I disagree, which is kind of what we've been talking about. Right. But I think what Ross points out, and I think what really struck me was like, there's a different level of relationship. There's a different level of commitment. There's a different level of of interpersonal engagement within the kingdom of God, within the body of Christ, where even if we disagree, even if we would claim or accuse one another of, of a sin, that we actually have to wrestle with it. We can't just kind of like clap the dust off our sandals and say, look, I'm out. We can't just demonize the other person and say, you're wrong. Give no substantiation for that claim and then walk away or talk you know, whatever about them behind their backs. But we as the church have to engage in the hard work of reconciliation. And what that means is, and and I'm not talking like reconciliation or conciliation within the confines of like race or racism, but I'm talking about reconciliation within the body of Christ, the same kind of reconciliation that invites us into uh, making things right with one another before we commune with one another, Uh, which means actually working out our differences. And I think we've lost that ability particularly as Christians, like both in the civic realm and the spiritual realm, we're too content to just simply say, you know what? Our political, our racialized, our socialized, our genderized, whatever, eyes has been like distinguished to the point where I no longer even see you as a fellow member, a brother or a sister. And so therefore, yeah, I'm going to dip. Like I'm not even going to mess with you but this is the this is the difficult call of discipleship, is we actually have to work through this stuff to set an example, not just for the world around us, but to keep ourselves disciplined as the body of Christ.
1: I, I'm so glad you brought this up because I think it brings it almost full circle. But and I honestly I don't remember because this has been a great conversation and we've had a couple of rum and cokes and all of this, but like. You've had a couple of Roman Cokes. I've had a couple of Roman Cokes. Gabe spilled two beers. I don't I don't know if I he talked about this or, or if it was in our, our aforementioned f- show prep, but like calling out my brother-in-law over his his ideology around guns and the second second amendment, I don't believe that's a sin that he believes one way and I believe another. But when but when he believes in certain policies or certain uh certain cultural norms or wh- whatever it is that to me are blatantly racist. And I do believe is a sin to your point, Josh, I need to call him out on that. I have to have that. To the point of our relationship be damned. Right. But that becomes difficult when no, I have no, no, a- no,
0: no, not, not, to, not to our relationship be damned, but to our relationship be restored. And I mean, listen, I'll, I'll but I don't, first- I don't know how that works. Well, so like I'll be the first per, I'll be, the, I mean, I will be the pot calling myself the kettle black. I love to run my mouth. Like, I, I love like to call myself out. It's one. Of... Okay. You know what? You could have just <laughs> let me have that moment of vulnerability without exploiting it. But if we're there, we're there. That's fine. Okay. You're right. Sorry. Go it's... ahead. No, go it's ahead. true. It's true. Right?
1: It's not. But go ahead. Um,
0: You know what I'm saying? But like, so like, I think that the culture that we've allowed ourselves to assimilate into is we – we're first to jump, first to click, first to post to, like, calling someone out, but not not with the motive or intention of reconciling, but with the motive yeah. of, like, victory or conquering yeah. or domineering yeah, yeah. or control. And that's yeah, – yeah. I mean, once again, I'm literally, like – I'm convicting myself on this is like yep. we need to put ourselves in check as the body of Christ and and members of the kingdom and say, OK, if I'm calling my brother-in-law out, if I'm calling my sister, my mom, who my friend, whoever out, it better be in order to make sure that even if we disagree politically, even if we have difference of opinion on policy or narratives or even history for that matter, the fact of the matter remains that we are both, under the eyes of God, sons and daughters, adopted children, equal disciples, right? And that has to set the tone and the precedent for any further conversations. It's not to pretend like things are going to be perfect. We're all going to live in um, this like sort of utopian harmony. But at least we're going to commit to one another that we see the identity of Christ in one another and work toward a, a reconciliation of I still have love for you and I will still care for you and I'll still commit to, to to walk alongside you, even if we may have difference of opinion in the things that are going on in the world around us. And, and to me, that's what we've lost. We've weaponized that instead of embraced it
1: as a quality of a life of discipleship. And so I th- I think that's cool. And I think that's a great way to go about it. But how often does that happen? And And I think about two situations that happened in my life. I'm in a fantasy football league and in our tech stream, we're all in, you know, one big WhatsApp tech stream. And, and somebody made a comment that I thought was, was fairly off base. I thought it was fairly racist. And I called him on it. I said, Hey man. Oh, there goes my timer too. Wait, that was it. my time. I should have kept talking. Josh is done. Oh, go on Tom. I let ta- Josh oh, is done. Gosh, Stoppage time. Stoppage time. I called him out and I said, Hey man, I just thought this, this comment was a little off base. This is why I think it was. And you know, let's leave, let's leave the political stuff off of our fantasy football chat. And man, we had a nice little three or four texts back and forth. He's like, Hey man, thanks for calling me out on that. I didn't realize that blah, blah, blah. Easy peasy. That was done. Right. I feel Beautiful like cover girl. Yeah. What you were talking about, Josh, <laughs> that was like, that's what happened. Right. But I've had other conversations with people with people like, even if I am trying to come at it, which I agree, I'm probably not always coming at it from the from that very respectful, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ kind of thing. But like, you're really wrong on this. And I would really like to show you the error of your ways. I've And I would like to think that I've already removed the plank out of my own eye. And I still think that they are very wrong on this. And I would like to bring them around it 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 ends in a very contentious place where we don't feel comfortable around each other, and yeah. where does that leave us? Like I love your idealized version of what should happen, but as sinful human beings, how often does that happen? But to me, that's okay. Like there's well, that's where I say our relationship be damned because right no, now, no, no, no,
0: no, 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 not your relationship be damned, but be willing to embrace that tension. I mean, Lutherans have this great paradox where we love tension. We
2: mm-hmm.
0: love to hold two disparate things in tension with one another. We actually thrive. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Gabe, but like to me, this is the the, the one of the the most poignant aspects of Lutheran theology, is tension. Percent. Right. And so it's like I can live in tension with disagreeing with you, right, or you and your friend. You can live in tension while still then upholding. This mutual accountability, respect, solidarity, love, patience, et cetera, whatever you want to say, right? And like that's what I think is is really the most important aspect of this quote from Hauerwas is like it's always it's a it's it's not a refusal to engage in the hard work of reconciliation, but it's an acceptance in the tension of the hard work of reconciliation. Right? We're actually yeah. demonstrating a love for one another if we're saying, look, We disagree fundamentally and we're going to like have debate and argument and disagreement and struggle through this. And yet I still see Christ in you. You still see Christ in me and we still recognize one another. As actual member co-members of the kingdom, co-labourers, co-inheritors, whatever other metaphor you want to, you know, steal from Jesus or the or the epistles to describe our relationship with with each other and with Christ in his kingdom.
2: So it's it reminds me of my favorite Bonhaver quote where he says, uh, in Life Together, uh, Christian community is not an ideal to be realized, but a reality in Christ in which we are invited to participate.
1: Mm, that's it. And- Man, I think you could also apply that that quote to where we like to what our, our country's ideals are are supposed to be, or at least what I was taught it was supposed to be, that we can disagree on on how we're doing it, but at the end of the day, like we are all striving for this this great thing. And whether we've done it well or not, whether our history says we've done it or not, is like we can argue those points, but we are all striving for something. And whether it's a, po- a political discourse or a religious discourse, that I think what I'm hearing from you, Josh, is that like we can live in that tension, still respect each other. I think we're in a place right now soci- in society and in culture that that's not happening, and we need to get back to no,
0: that. No, I agree. I completely agree, which is why we need to embrace the suck and
2: completely just dump the utopian ideal.
1: Mm-hmm. Reach.
2: Yep. That's all right, dude. This is O'Neill Woodrow Casper motto. Embrace the suck. Eject the utopian ideal. <laughs> Vote for us. 2020. Yeah. We're getting that tattooed. Wait, can we? Is it possible to run on a like a try
0: ticket? So yes. the, question, the, the question, though, remains. And actually, let's leave our listeners here for this episode. Yes, exactly. President. Yeah. So 612-208-6258. Which one of us should be president? which should be vice president and yeah. which is relegated to simply an advisory role. No, no secretary, upcoming, secretary, of secretary of state, secretary of state in state. this okay, upcoming okay. administration known as the rule and reign of pint class preachers in America. Hashtag yep. 2020 vote for us. 612-
1: Hashtag oh, vote for Tom.
0: 6258 No, don't vote for Tom. <laughs> Listen, nice it's been great Dave. to get back together with you guys. I mean, I think we can all acknowledge it's just been a trying, heavy, confusing, uncertain time, but we're back. We hope to bring some clarity, some levity, maybe just some realism uh, to kind of what we're all dealing with and feeling. And if we're disciplined enough, you may see another episode after this prior to 2021.
2: and and
1: we can maybe maybe potentially (laughs) promise that our next episode will be a whole lot lighter
2: so let's hope so let's hope so all right friends we love you all thanks for tuning in uh god's blessings to you (laughs) did you forget how we serve the lord
0: What? (laughs) 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 What? (laughs) we've literally never ended an episode with God's blessings to you. Go in peace. No one said
2: thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Um, Thanks be to God. Okay. And with thy spirit. And with (laughs) (laughs) thy...
0: If you would all like
1: to turn to page 10 in your TLH.
0: Listen, next episode Gabe and I will fill you in on the and with thy spirit.
1: And with thy spirit. Oh,
0: this is just...
2: Move on, move on. Bye. Stop. This This is bad.